Welcome to Tiny Town Library. Thanks for joining us. We're coming to you straight out of the library with town news, community updates, book recommendations, and an interview with a local person of interest. My name is Bonnie, and I'm the director of the Dayland Memorial Library. And with me today is Miss Joanne. Hello. Our children's program director, of course, and Amy. Hi, everybody. Our interlibrary loan specialist. And thank goodness, Madison Safer is here. <laughs> Uh, she's helping us produce this, and we have been at this for, I don't know, four or five weeks we've been trying to <laughs> make this podcast. So first I just want to say um, happy National Women's Day. It was technically yesterday, but um, we weren't together, and I just want to thank all of you. It is a joy to work with you. You're some of the strongest women in my life, mm -hmm. and yesterday we were celebrating uh, Women's Day, and I was thinking of you. So happy Women's Day. Happy Mm -hmm. um, it is March. It's not February. If you didn't listen to our podcast in February, it's because we didn't have one, right? We um, had a weather pattern every mm -hmm. Tuesday. It's snow. true. Snow. So our special, yeah, our special <laughs> guest wins. Mm -hmm. That got us one day too. Right. It's not our fault though. Our special guest <laughs> today is um, Dr. Sarfdi from the Village School, and we wanted desperately to have her here in February for Love Your Library Month, and we were going to shed some love on her and welcome her to town, but. As you said, Mother Nature mm -hmm. had other plans and canceled school every Tuesday. And even the first Tuesday of March, mm -hmm. um, there was no school because of power outage. Very typical for March in like a lion, out like a lamb. Mm -hmm. uh, but today it's absolutely gorgeous, 50 degrees and sunny. The snow is melting. And uh, you can see where the snow plow just like plowed right into our garden. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. It's fine. We're just going to cover it up with flowers. Everything's good. And, and when Madison came in, she noticed, I noticed too, a single snowdrop and the little crocuses. It's up. a Yay. sign. Spring has sprung. We are ready. So we're not going to talk too much about February, but and there's a couple of highlights. But um, we'll try and stay forward thinking and moving into spring. So I do want to note that today, I don't know if you know this, would normally be town meeting day. I do. I know. So town meeting, if you're not, if you're a listener from afar and not from New Hampshire, this is the day that we all gather. Every resident is invited, every resident of Mount Vernon is invited into the uh, multi-purpose room, which is better known as the elementary school gymnasium. You take a seat. Bride and groom sign doesn't matter, but it does. We always sit on the right. Mm -hmm. um, and you get a little post-it note if you're a registered voter and you get to vote on all the um, budget lines. We go line by line to see how we're going to spend our tax dollars. And then we get to vote on big items like, do you want a fire truck? Do you want a new library? Do you believe in paving roads? And it is the ultimate democracy. I'm kind of missing it today. But the good news, here's the good news. They're moving it to June 12th. So mark your calendars. We'll be voting for all our town officials on June 8th. Mm -hmm. And then on Saturday, June 12th, I believe at 10 a.m., uh, we will, this is my vision, we'll be out in chairs outside, maybe on McCullum Field in our Saturday finest. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to need a sundress with a matching hat. And oh, yeah. I think I'm going for gloves. What about a parasol if they don't have a tent? Would you do, would, would that, is that extreme? I'm going all out. <laughs> So I would encourage everyone to go all It out. could be historic because mm -hmm. the rules are, no matter the weather, they do not cancel town meeting, right? It could be a blizzard. They're like, get it on your horse and right. carriage and get there. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to go. It's one day a year. It's really, really important. And they don't adjust it for any reason. But COVID, yeah. they had to adjust COVID it. Because some, 
Milford's having town meeting tonight. That. That's a COVID oh. pit. That's like what? So yeah. it deters people. That. I'm really happy that we're that we're pushing it on. Me too. And we'll be outside. I did wonder like. It's supposed to be town voting day, but I don't have like the angst hanging over me, so that's unusual. I know. I normally, like right. Normally, this day we're mm-hmm. all we're very mm-hmm. excited. A little town theater coming up, and mm-hmm. we're either nervous because we have a warrant article or we don't. And um, yeah, so warrant articles are not even due until May fourth. That lovely town report booklet that we love to flip through. I um, do love to flip. Through. That mm-hmm. will not be coming out until May, also. So relax, enjoy your March. There's no anger and anxiety right now. We're just enjoying it. So <laughs> that's it. All right. I said I wasn't going to flashback too much, but I do want to make a note of the awesome programs we had in February. The Friends of the Library, they sponsored a, such a good event. We had a Zoom program from New Hampshire Audubon. And my friend Willa developed um, kind of, well, she said she, they normally do these programs in person and bring like a lot of taxidermy and mm-hmm. things for kids to touch and look at. But instead, it was um, like a slideshow presentation where she took questions. I thought it was better. It was quite fantastic. Um, we learned all about bird habitats and how to set up your backyard or your front yard. Uh, in a way to attract a variety of birds to your yard. And it wasn't just about like, hey, put feeders up. She was like, you should you know, plant certain things and think about wow. the ecosystem so that you have like slugs and worms in the ground healthy. Smart. And then all the way up to the sky, like she talked about butter, why it's important to have butterflies and moths and just the whole ecosystem is what she kind of focused on. And that's not what I thought it was going to be mm, about. I wow. thought she was going to say like, you should plant a blueberry bush. You should. But it's all the other things that go along with it. And she encouraged messy gardening, which I love that. Don't clean it up too much, she said, because that's where all those little slugs and, and bugs live. So um, that was a really great program. The Friends uh, sponsored that, which we're so grateful for um, their generosity because we can't have all programs fall into the library budget. It's sure. nice when we can get some you know, expensive program. That's awesome. So I want to thank the friends for that. And then we're wrapping up the winter reading program. I know all of us have been participating. Yeah. And the challenge was read as many as books as you can from the first day of winter, which was December 20th, until March 20th, which is the first day of spring. And that is coming up quick, quick, quick. And if you finish the full marathon, you read 26 books. But if you did the 5K, that was three books, 10K. So... Anybody want to say what number they're on? Oh, what number am I on? I think I'm on like 17. Oh, wow. Well, not to brag. Most of those are children's books, but okay. no, I'm just kidding. Speaking of bragging, Amy, are, Amy are you an ultra marathoner? How many um, How many books did no, you read? I, I finished the marathon, definitely. Um, I'm not sure exactly. It's over 26, but... Excellent. Congratulations. What about you, Miss Oh, um, so I'm a little bit of a cheater. I have six books yeah. right now on the edge of my um, bed that are half started, but mm-hmm. I'm committed to finishing all of them. So I think I'll finish up at 18. Mm-hmm. And um, I I thought I was going to get to the finish line, but I was interrupted by something else I'm going to talk about, mm-hmm. um, which I'm happy about. But yeah, 18 is good for me. I, I'm excited about mm-hmm. that. And maybe I can slide one in for you know one more audio or something this week. How about you, Madison? What number are you on? Oh, gosh. I think I'll probably end up around 10 or 11 so not terrible um yeah you kind of were busy this month <laughs> so madison you're busy is, making the books yes, yes. Sure. madison is a book creator and she had a deadline have we passed the deadline is it over i officially finished congratulations well i mean it stopped to do revisions and everything but it was around ended up accounted around 156 illustrations holy wow cow. that's yes. awesome congratulations so that's a good reason to 
only read 10 books. I mean, that's Slacker. right. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. Okay, so I was alluding to uh, also why I was slowed down a little bit. Um, we received a grant. I wrote a grant in February that was like instantly granted to us. It is, I'm going to read it off my list here because I just told the selectmen about it last night. Um, we received a Rural Libraries and Social Wellbeing Grant. Uh, this was sponsored by the Institute of Museum and Library Services. Um, no big deal. But <laughs> this application came across to my email and the, the parameters for applying were so restrictive that I thought we had a good chance at it. It was like you had to be a tiny town with a tiny budget and it was, oh, I say only, but it was a $500 grant and it was kind of a mystery. It was like, just apply and then we'll tell you about it. So I'm like, okay, and they're like, tell us about your town and, and tell us about why you love living there. And these, it felt like a, a little bit like self-help or therapy. Like, I'm like, oh, let me tell, like, I feel like I have a good um, description of our town, you know, because mm -hmm. we when you write grants, it's the first question. So I'm like, all right, just take that out of the memory bag. And uh, we found out instantly that we received the grant and it was like, hey, 98 people applied and you were one of 20 recipients. We're so excited to work with you. And they wanted me right away to make appointments with researchers. So mm -hmm. it's not just a grant like here's money, go do a project and report back if you know you achieved your goals. It is, hey, we're going to help you be a better um, library and we're going to help you um, explore opportunities that only small rural libraries can because you're small rural libraries. So, the whole point of the grant is they are giving us money to do a project and then they're going to take all the good parts of our project and share it with other small libraries so they oh. could do that project. So nice. I, the first meeting, yeah, it's kind of cool. So the first meeting they explained the whole point of their research is to show the connection between libraries and the community's health, right? So if you have a thriving library, it usually indicates your town is happy and well adjusted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they recognize that we're not just a library, but a community center, a recreation center. So we, we have to do many things, you know, that more than just be a library. And they understand that we are the community connectors and that we can have a powerful influence in our town for good. Mm -hmm. So um, unlike other, like I'm in a director's group that has a lot of different um, sized towns. And I feel very supported by those directors, but unless you're a tiny library in 1200 square feet with like a small, like you can't understand what we do on the daily, but this grant group, that's all they work with. So I've been, they've provided a whole bunch of tools for us to do. And one of the tools was to send out a community survey um, to kind of just get a sense of where your town is and how they're feeling about the town. So we posted um, a survey that was just like a Google Doc with six questions, and we got awesome feedback. 142 people took the survey about town. And uh, it was one, a great survey. Mm -hmm. It was so that was so I didn't make the survey. They were like, here's some questions, but like oh. think about the project you want to do and do some of these. I thought you made this. Well, so they gave us, they gave me some guidelines and they're like, they gave me like 18 questions and they're like, you know, do five or six of these questions and does it help you focus, um, if the answers come back a certain way, would it help you with the project that you're thinking about doing? So I was trying to pull out from the community, I'm working on volunteerism, 
um, like I want to know like why we have a volunteer problem like why don't you volunteer and then like uh, are we doing enough to connect people are people feeling connected or not so like the first question I asked like how long have you lived in town and I would have thought everybody had lived here 10 years or more but it's a really good um, breakdown of like new people versus people who've lived here 25 years and then the um, other questions we asked them were like uh, this wasn't a multiple choice this was a fill in the blank what do you find delightful about living mm. in Mount Vernon and the responses to that were so good people said things like it's friendly it's peaceful it's quiet they talked about how they love town events and how tiny it is mm -hmm. and like such good positive comments and they mentioned the library the general store and like how everybody knows each other's neighbors so that was a good question Great. and a feel good and then we asked them what is your ideal community and what would you want in that ideal community and the responses were hysterical like some of them were obvious but some of them were simple as like can we get more sidewalks so that we can walk around oh. more and then they asked for hmm. a lot of support for the new library, more events. They love the events we have right now, but they want more, maybe more for teenagers, more for seniors. Hmm. We saw a cry for a pub, <laughs> a restaurant, pizza. That sounds good. Yeah, so hardly any complaints. You know, I was expecting a lot more comments about it would be better if there were lower taxes, but sure. it, it wasn't like that. And then I thought one of the most interesting questions was, I asked if you were on a board or had you ever volunteered to be on a board, a committee or a commission, because that's how tiny town works. Like mm -hmm. we do not pay people to run the town, a lot of volunteer right. opportunities, but I don't always see the best and brightest people stepping up for those roles. Not to say that the people are doing it right now aren't best and brightest, but mm -hmm. I know there's so much talent in this town. So it was funny that question brought back a 50-50 response. It was either a clear, yes, I understand that I am part of this community and my skills are needed and I volunteer and they would write the, the mm -hmm. board. Then there was a very clear no, no. I'm I busy. work and I have kids, I am busy. How I dare I enjoyed reading those yeah. responses. So mm -hmm. that helped me understand, like there is a dilemma here. People are you know, busy, they're running their kids around or they don't think they can bring their kids to volunteer sure. opportunities. So we need to either communicate better or provide opportunities for people to volunteer like as families or such. So anyways, the result of this grant is I am hoping to create a Welcome to Mount Vernon kit. We already were identified in this survey as the one place people go to for information when they first get to town. So over 60% of the people who took the survey picked us as the first place they went and then their neighbors were the mm -hmm. second place. Mm -hmm. So um, for accurate information. So I thought, I thought Chatter would um, be up there in the top. It was the third thing. They said social media, social, so, media, social sure. media, but like they never go to the town website. They don't like town government isn't a place that they look to. They really want a personal recommendation for, you know, where's the best pizza? What, you know, what kind of provider should I get for electricity? You know, whatever. So um, my idea is to put together like a bougie little bag uh, and filled with information about the community so like maybe I'll connect you to local businesses I'll connect you to local organizations you can you know volunteer for hopefully we'll get the general store to put something fun in the bag I'm sure they will yeah mm. like go get an ice cream cone meet Dan he's fantastic Dan but... just popped in I would have loved this one I wanted to come in and see us but I told him he couldn't just yet. next time next time <laughs>
Um, if I had moved to town, I would have loved, I, I did come to the library. I don't know if you came to the library when you first moved to town, mm -hmm. but they connected me with people who they thought I would, you know, befriend and who had kids my age. So we're kind of already doing that role, but it'd be fun to hand them a little gift and say, welcome to town. So I'm hoping to use that grant money. And then I did, this is a long shot, but I did apply for an American Library Association grant. Again, this is very specific to rural libraries. You had to be a community under 7,000 people. They're giving you $3,000 to do a project of your dreams. And the project of my dreams, and I know this is a weird dream, but I've always wanted to to do the historic walking tour of town. Yeah, I think um, that's a great so idea. I, we live in a really magical place that people like kind of take for granted and maybe they don't know about the history of their mm -hmm. own town. And I just want to make it really accessible and simple so that like a realtor could send somebody the link and say, oh, you're thinking about moving to this town. Like take this like fun virtual tour or the kindergartners, first, second, third graders mm -hmm. could come over and walk by the buildings and have a little like handy map or something in front of them and learn a little something about, hey, this used to be the school. And this is your town hall, and this this is the general store. But we have too much fantastic history in a one-mile block not to do it. So um, Madison encouraged me. She's like, we can do this. We don't have to be super techie. But it would be um, fun to have a little money to make it super professional. It's always fun to have a little money. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Um, otherwise, we would have maybe already tackled this project with no money. Mm -hmm. But um, So my hope is we get the grant. We're able to produce this tour. And I think you're going to get it because you were becoming a very good grant writer. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like a lot of work, but I think it's going to be worth it. And yeah, as part of the grant writing, I had to go visit our current history books. So we have a fantastic written history, but it's old. Mm -hmm. And then we have, I'll say new, but they're like from the 70s and 80s about the homes in Mount Vernon. So people have done this before. It's a lot of work. A volunteer did it for us. So I'm able to go in and pull that you know, writing for new grants, mm -hmm. but this would be an updated modern, you know, addition to our history shelf. And I think it's our turn. It's our turn to do it. So fingers crossed for that. We'll find out at the end of the month. That's what's happening um, here at the library for adults and what's going on with the kids, Joanne? Oh, we were always trying to do something. I, um, we did have fun with Love Your Life Library Month and I started a new program with our teens who have been a little neglected during this year of COVID. Um, it's in their nature, I think, to want to be neglected by us, but I think that it's um, not always good for them to be left alone. And uh, I went to a conference uh, in February where we talked specifically about uh, teens during the pandemic and the high rate of depression and teen suicide. And so I thought, let's work a little harder to get those teens um, involved. And so last month we did um, Teen Cupcake Wars. On Ooh, Facebook. fun. It was really fun. It was like the best hour of my week. It was super fun. And we've got a local... Uh, Baker in town, um, um, the Victorian Village Bakery made the cupcakes and frostings, and then I, you know, had so much fun packing up a box, and it was mostly boys. We did have surprise, two. surprise. So I was very mm -hmm. surprised, and a couple of girls, and we had so much fun. And my favorite teacher, oops, they're all my favorite. 
one of my favorite teachers, <laughs> um, Charlene Brown came in. She was our judge. We had so much fun. Um, so uh, the teams were great, and we're doing another teen program on Friday with almost the same amount of kids all signed up again. We're doing teen terrarium. All right, that's a good sign. If they signed up, they had fun. They, they want to do fun. it again. And um, I can't wait to put those packages together. They are so extra. Wait until you see them. Jealous and. What else did I do? We had an anonymous donation just kind of dropped on my lap. Sometimes people will say, hey, Miss Joanne, do you want this stuff? And then they will bring me like 100 pounds of something so weird. And I, Four like, garbage bags of yarn. Thank you. And, then, <laughs> and I do like it. I do appreciate it because I have a limited budget. And it's, it's fun to like think of new ways with what are you going to do with 100 pounds of yarn? And then you do something with it. But... Um, storage sometimes can be a problem. So the anonymous donation came in of like 200 packages of crayons and colored pencils and like a million plastic folders. I, I use some of those plastic oh, folders. I think that person. <laughs> so, so we put together um, boredom busters right away. So we took that folder and we put colored pencils and we did coloring sheets and activities sheets stickers and maze it was so much fun and um we put the board and busters out for winter break because it's it, like very last minute just perfect it could I, have been a boring vacation for them because people are not flying out to anywhere. aruba you're not going anywhere right. so. so we did like i put it together like 25 right away and they went boom like that i don't know what that is and um and then I just kept making them, and Madison would come and make them, and so I don't even know how many I put out there. Mm. Probably, gosh, probably close, close to 60, I would That's say. That's great. And so that was sort of like a fun, didn't know it was coming, but so anyway, I'm hoping that the weather is so nice that I can do a spring uh, story time again. Oh, yeah. Outside and in person, I did a fall story time that was so much fun and I as soon as the ground is dry enough and the weather isn't freezing um I by then you fun. might be YouTube famous so um people are just gonna have to <laughs> log into your YouTube channel they should <laughs> which Joanne is on YouTube um if you've been catching her on Facebook our Facebook page we also have been transferring her story times and maybe her pup shows are gonna end up there but it's a better, easier location to go catch uh, repeat performances of your story times. Mm -hmm. And they're all fantastic. And we're also on TikTok. Aren't we Yay. so cool? The last TikTok you put up was so good. I didn't, well, this doesn't, <laughs> I, just, I don't want it to make it sound like it was so good. I was surprised, yeah, but I'm like, not I, like didn't, I didn't know it was us. I'm like, look at the peeps. We're so on it. And then I realized, oh, it's us. <laughs> it was so good. Well, so good job. Thank you. I am still. I, I am clearly a student of TikTok, and I'm not brave enough to do anything more than what I've been doing. But we we made six TikToks, and I launched it yesterday just so that there was a little content there for people mm -hmm. to look at. And of course, we're following a whole bunch of cool libraries. And and I saw Amherst pulled up um, a TikTok page too, so we're right on trend. But your YouTube channel also is going to get quite a following too. So follow Mr. Red for story times. And speaking of peeps, I didn't put it on the list, but this is our big, huge event coming up um Pe Peeparama it's a whole week this year 
So we are encouraging people of all ages, doesn't matter if you're a baby or 100, um, make a peep diorama and drop it off here on April 2nd. It can be any theme. We love pop culture, anything that's clever. Um, Amy, you always do something like an art thing. Mine might be a music theme this year. I'm not sure. Um, but if you make a peep diorama and leave it here, we are going to judge them because I love a good prize and trophies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to judge your peep diorama and the people's choice. That's everybody who comes in to look at them. Whatever they think is best, you're going to get a big basket. And then we're going to do the best in each age group also. So um, somebody's going to win a basket full of peeps. Oh, the prizes are wonderful. Mm-hmm. They are wonderful. And then we put a little addition on this year because um, here's some news. There isn't an Easter egg hunt. Mm. So sad. Um, but they are going to do a, a Easter egg hunt drive through rec department is. So it's, as Heather says, not as magical, but it's something. But we have decided to do a... We're doing something magical. I think it's magical. It's, it's new. And part of the survey said they want more activities, mm-hmm. more, 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 more. We love what we already have, but do more. So we added a peep scavenger hunt into the peeparama week so all week to get you excited about peep dioramas um you can stop in the library and pick up a scavenger hunt sheet uh we have clues for eight different locations in town and you're gonna like i'll give you a hint one might be out at lampson farm so you're gonna like drive out to lampson farm and look all over for the giant peep it's about a four foot tall and leave the peep there oh yeah don't bring it home with you yeah The trick is you have to tell me what color the peep is Mm -hmm. when you find it. So your little score sheet says, like, go to this place, or it gives you a hint, and you think where you're going. Mm -hmm. You go to that place and tell us what color the peep is, and then write it down, bring back your scavenger hunt, and we're going to pull one big winner. And the prize is awesome. It is a giant plush peep. He's the biggest peep I've so ever big. seen. So big. So soft. So big. Him. When I saw him in the store, I couldn't leave him. I was going to get a giant chocolate bunny, but boo, that just is... No, that's no. too much sugar. Mm-hmm. Too much this sugar. This is beautiful. Right, so you're going to want to do the scavenger hunt, and again, it's going to be a whole week, so you don't have to do it on, you know, Easter Sunday, or mm-hmm. well, it's going to be over by then. you got to, like, look for that peep between March 26th and April 3rd, we'll pick a winner. Give that peep out. We're so excited. Mm-hmm. But that's another fun thing to do. So don't be sad about no Easter egg hunt. Oh, you... and I'm doing something too. What are you doing? I'm doing um, an Easter egg hunt kits. So I'm putting together a bunch of um, Easter eggs that are filled Ooh. with goodies. And they're in an Easter bucket. And so you can come and pick one per family and do your own Easter egg hunt at home because you know, the ones at home are so much fun. We've always had so much fun with our own Easter egg. You know what that reminds me of? You used to do it for story time. So of that's course. fun, right? Just hide the eggs and when keep finding them. When my kids were little, they would just rehide the eggs, like, for the whole month. They didn't even care if there was anything in it. It was so much fun. Great. So, I love that idea. Um, they There are really, really cute little goodies inside the eggs. So... Okay, so stop at the library. So you got to make a diorama. You got to go on a hide and peep, and Mm -hmm. then you got to come pick up a kit. That sounds super fun. Yeah. Well, that's that's a lot of activity at the library. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. All right, we're going to roll into segment two, which is Amy's recommendations, and our special guest will be here um, soon. So stay tuned for that also. But I'm going to pass it to Amy for her awesome book recommendations. What have you been reading, Amy? What haven't you been reading? (laughs) Right. What is the best? Okay, so. The first book that I wanted to talk about is Hamnet, and that's by Maggie O'Farrell. It was on a lot of uh, the, it came out last year, published in 2020, and it made nearly anybody who's anybody's list of, 
you know, top 10 books of the year, top five books of the year, Hamnet, Hamnet, Hamnet. It was everywhere. I was like, I have got to read this book. Finally had a chance to read it, and I totally get now why people were in love with this book. It's really that Who's the good. author? Maggie O'Farrell. Okay, him. And, and we own it. Yeah, we do. And it's on the shelf, it's right, on the now. shelf right now. Somebody come get it. I can, I can, I can honestly say without hesitation that it's it's definitely going to be in my top books of the year. Ooh, I know it. I know it. Um, so the <clears throat> the idea is Maggie O'Farrell has a little author's note at the end, and she said in her author's note she had these two kind of I wonders. One of which was why does Shakespeare not tackle the plague in any of his plays? He doesn't talk about the plague at all. And uh, he had a son whose name was Hamnet. And back then, the names Hamnet and Hamlet were interchangeable, kind of mm. like Bill and Billy, maybe, sort of. William thing. and Bill? Maybe, right, yeah. So like that. That it essentially was the same name, Hamnet and Hamlet. Mm. And no one knows the exact cause of Hamnet's death. It's not, it's not written anywhere. It's not like Hamnet was run over by a horse and cart or, you know, he died of scarlet fever. Like, so are they speculating <clears throat> it's the plague? Yes. Ooh. So that's, that's what she writes about. Um, so she, she kind of tackles those two questions and just brings them together in this beautiful way. It's, it's yeah, everybody needs to read Hamnet. So. Okay. Um, and then if you're looking for kind of a, a, a good thriller that's going to keep you guessing and you're like, oh. It's totally this person. I know who did it. it. This person is the one. And then you're like, oh, no, it's not that one. Oh, no, I know. I know it is. It's this person. No, nope, it's not that one either. Um, the Sanatorium Ooh. by Sarah Pierce. Reese Witherspoon picked that. Right. It was her February book. Um, I, I just finished that this past weekend, and it totally did keep me guessing. I thought right from the start, I'm like, oh, I've got this figured out. Ah, no, no. And it's, it's, she's very, a marathoner, so she knows. <laughs> it's, it's been described as um, a gothic thriller. And it kind oh. of does have that almost like claustrophobic, closed in, suspenseful feel to it. It's set, <clears throat> it's set at a, a former sanatorium in, are they in Sweden? I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Um, it's in winter, there's a storm coming, they get closed in, so it's just the remaining staff and guests that That's are there. That's what the cover looks like. So you, you know, like, it's got to be one of these people, you, you know, you, you got to figure it out. And, and she kind of ties in an interesting bit of, I don't want to go into it too much to give anything away, but um, maybe a little bit of the hashtag me too kind of stuff, just slightly mm-hmm. women's, women's rights sort of, I don't know. Um, it, it was interesting. I, I enjoyed reading it. It was just a good kind of quick um, thriller. And then, so those are two newer books. And I always like to talk about newer books and at least one older book. Um, I recently listened to the audiobook of A Discovery of Witches by Ooh. Deborah Harkness. Is that a trilogy? Yes. Yes. Okay. And they're, they're, I'm pretty sure it's Netflix has a series out now. It's not Netflix. It's not Netflix. It's a different one because I have Netflix. Oh, okay. So somebody has done it. Okay. As a, mm-hmm. a TV show. Um, and I had seen an ad for it. And I thought, you know what? I've not ever read those books. I need to tackle those. And it, like, Our which friend is, Mary Catherine loves them. Yes. I've which read is, the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is not usually my thing. But it was just a perfect like escape kind of book. It's really big. It was a, took a while to listen to the audio book. Um, so there's, there's witches, there's vampires, and there's demons. Um, no werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of a witch novel. Um, 
but it was very entertaining and I'm ready to go back and I'll eventually, you know, continue the story and see, and see where it goes. So if somebody's looking for like a bit of fantasy escapism, you might like those. Um, and then the other books that I wanted to talk about are books that are uh, two books that are out now and then two books that are upcoming. So um, new that are out right now that just came out at the beginning of this month, Who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews. You and told know, me to pick that up yep. and then I started seeing it everywhere. Yep. And I had heard, what's her name? Parnassus Books, Ann Patchett. I heard her talking about it a week mm -hmm. or two ago and it really caught my attention. So kind of a, not a case of mistaken identity, but almost like a case of maybe sliding into someone else's life, mm -hmm. but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so that's I'm I'm gonna grab that as soon as it's is ready to be checked out. We're covering so it tonight. I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> to read that one. And then another book that I'm looking forward to reading is called Sparks Like Stars by Nadia Hashimi, and it's set in I believe it's Afghanistan um, in the 70s initially, and the main character. Her father is, is kind of um, in the government. There's a coup. Her entire family is assassinated. She is snuck out by like a palace guard or some, somebody. She, gets, she is rescued, gets adopted, moves to America, lives her life. And now she's an adult. 30 years later, she's an adult. And the guard that helped her escape kind of stumbles back into her life in a very unexpected way. And it stirs up all these feelings of what happened back in the day. And so then it's a story of what happens after she re-meets him again. When's that coming up? Um, it's out now. Oh, it's out now. So yep. I got to get that. Sparks Like Stars. Sparks Like Stars. Yep. Um, and then books that are coming up, uh, actually, they both come out on the 30th, which is the very end of this month, of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. I feel like everybody's been talking about that book for months and months and months. Um, that's like multi-generational family saga type story. Um, so a lot of people are really looking forward to that. And then there's another book called Liberty, but it's spelled with an I-E instead of a Y. L-I-B-E-R. Liberty. Um, Caitlin Green Ridge. And that's um, historical fiction. It's set in... New York City, the main character is an African-American woman. Ooh, you love a New York City book. I, I'm a sucker for anything <laughs> set in New York City. So the second I saw that, I'm like, historical fiction, New York City, I'm like, yep, I got to read it. So that one is also coming out, and there's been a bit of buzz on that too. So Awesome. Um, I'm just going to mention one book because it consumed me this past month. It was Cast by Isabella Wilkerson, and um, I just think everyone should read it. It's a must-read, and I'm actually going to maybe talk to the library media specialist down at Sauhegan because they were talking about developing a curriculum that would um, talk about black history, but like in a real history way, instead of just showcasing, you know, pioneers or whatever. Um, cast is, well, first of all, you think of cast, and I did, for me, I thought of Indian culture, right. you know, the caste system, mm -hmm. but it laid out the caste system in America. And you think you're educated until you read this book. And then she starts back to the beginning of slavery. She spends a lot of time in the South and talks about lynchings and like things I never knew. Right. And I think to myself, I'm not sheltered. I like when you say lynching, you think of something, but she described it in detail, so much detail. <laughs> I was just like having to pause the audiobook mm -hmm. to like, just like 
absorb it as truth, not fiction. And then it, she went all the way up. The book was published before January, but she predicted the insurrection because of caste. Because mm-hmm. you have a group of people that were want to be in power, who yeah. think they should be in power, that are being challenged by a lower caste. What happens? Like, mm-hmm. conflict. And the, at any cost, they will fight to stay mm-hmm. at the top of the caste. Right. And I'm not choosing right. a group here. I'm just <clears throat> saying this in, historically has happened everywhere. And so even though this book, like I said, was published before January 6th, she predicted it. Mm-hmm. And wow. I just think everyone should read it with an open should. mind. It's heavy. It's I'm on getting, the shelf right now. I'm uh-huh. getting the audio because mm-hmm. I would love, I did do a bit of it on audio. I did both because it was hard. Um, but yeah, I can't recommend that enough and it should be mandatory reading for maybe 10th grade. Like that is a great age to mm-hmm. question, um, you know, kind of what you think you know mm-hmm. and then what could be true and should be taught, but like over a whole semester, maybe not mm. one book. But they've been talking about adding books in down there, you know, that like, why wouldn't we want to learn about our own very specific, you know, kind of history regarding caste? Like, why are they reading books? you know, about mm-hmm. the mid Middle East. Like, let's right. just read, right. let's right. read about our own here. Let's right. educate so our kids. Right here, we mm-hmm. have something to learn. So that, right. that was my recommendation for this month. Anything for you, Joanne? Well, I did finish a book called The Once and Future Witches by Alex Harrow, and I really liked it a lot. Mm. And in fact, let's I see the cover. It's got a great it cover. Beautiful? I was yeah. judging the book by the cover. I was oh, at yeah. Toast Good choice. down at me. It's so beautiful. So I bought it, I loved it, and I'm going to give it to the library. Aren't you generous? Thank so you. It's these sisters <laughs> that are witches, and they, um, it was it was really interesting. It, it's it's obviously it's magical realism, but um, they talk is that about, obvious? <laughs> it, it talks about how like. Um, you don't have to have a plain hat and a, you know a, a broom and a black cat, but like like we all have like little potions or, or something that maybe our mom teaches us. Maybe if maybe it's even just like how to get that stain out of your stubborn white shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, just, I, I put clove in my tea because I feel like it's magical. Yeah, like, so it was really it interesting. <laughs> that's interesting take and how they would put um like you had to have the words, the ways, and means, and that and that sometimes they would put their little stories into nursery rhymes oh. to like tell a story. So it was it was very interesting. I liked it a lot and so it's a gift to the library. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Wait until you see the cover. So pretty. Excellent. All right, All right we are rolling into uh, segment three of this episode with our interview. We're going to take a pause for a second and get our principal set up in her throne and uh, do a quick interview uh, to see what's going on at the village school. Okay. So we'll be right back. All right. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Our person of interest has arrived. Miss Kim, our principal from the Mount Vernon Village School. So welcome, Miss <laughs> Kim. Thank you, everyone. Fine. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We're really, really happy to have you here. We tried several weeks in a row. Um, we had a weather pattern on a Tuesday <laughs> for the whole month of February <laughs> into the month of 
month of March. Yep. So, <laughs> and you're a busy lady. So. Oh, no. I Honestly, I appreciate being here. And I, I'm glad to actually have an opportunity to come into the library. So that's really exciting for sure. Yeah, it's your first time here. Yeah. We met you in the summer and we met outside in the backyard. That's right. Because it was like in the middle of COVID and not really knowing what we could do that's and what right. we couldn't do. But we've got... Um, uh, vaccinations are, are in the near future, yes. and some people have had them already, so I, I have high hopes. It's exciting stuff, for sure. <laughs> yes. So, welcome to Mount Vernon. We would like to know, um, could you tell us how you landed here, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I came from Massachusetts. Um, I had a, a place up at Newfound Lake, and for couple of years I decided to I wanted to transition from Massachusetts to New Hampshire um, and, a, and a position opened up in Newfound and so that was kind of my end to New Hampshire however I knew that eventually I wanted to come back to the you know the more southern part of the state so that I could be closer to my family and I saw that Amherst had a job or the SAU 39 uh, school district had had a job posting and I I knew that this is a really coveted place to work and when I started doing some investigating, I realized that you know this is even better than what I what I had thought of, um, in terms of in terms of this school district. And then when I heard that, so initially I actually applied for a position in Amherst, and then I I heard through Mr. Steele that the position for the principal at Montfernan Village School was going to be opened, and so I I took a ride with my husband by the school. I kind of talked to some people in town. I talked to the folks over at the general store across the street. And um, yeah, I just knew that this was going to be a great place to work. So. All right, we can thank Dan. <laughs> Dan at the general store. By the way, it stopped in earlier. We had to shoot him out because it's podcast time. Well, I'm glad. So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I'm a mom. That's, that's the first thing. Um, I, I've been married now for 22 years. I have four children. Um, they are 22, 19, 17, and 13. And um, I've been an educator for quite some time now. I started out as a high school Spanish teacher. Then I transitioned to become a middle school English teacher, taught some science. Um, I taught a little bit of, I taught a little bit of math, which was not my not the easiest subject for me to navigate, um, but I definitely learned because we all can learn math, and so I learned along with the kids. Mm -hmm. And then uh, eventually I transitioned into leadership, and I worked as um, I worked as an ESL coach in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and then I went on to become a dean of curriculum and instruction in Lawrence, and then eventually I started working at the district level at the Newfound, and here I am leading the school. That's a lot of stepping stones. It's a lot of stepping stones. <laughs> but hopefully a breadth of experience and different, you can relate to teachers, you can Definitely. understand how curriculum is designed. Like, I find that very interesting. Yeah. And then eventually management of, which is a whole other ball. I'm still learning that. Um, I, I've never, I've never been the sole administrator anywhere before. Um, so I'm learning how to navigate that and um you know definitely made some mistakes along the way and trying to do the best that i possibly can i think um it's been a little bit challenging with the pandemic because you don't get to know people no in the way, right. right so um it makes it a little bit more challenging because i'd like to be able to just like really get to know who the people are in our building and just within the community so i'm hoping that like you said we 
have the vaccine on the horizon. I'm hoping we have hope now, and and I'm hoping that um, things will slowly transition back to normal so that we can kind of, we can get to know each other a little bit better and then um, just have a better experience for everybody. I, I did feel sorry for you that you did arrive at such um, a tumultuous time because oh gosh, yeah. um, the village school is really a family yeah. and um, you would know the mothers, the fathers, the siblings, and it's, it's really unique in mm-hmm. that way. But instead, you know, you arrive, you don't know if the kids are even coming back and then they're coming back, but not all of them. And of course you, you're probably not interfacing with parents in the way like we used to just walk into the building, yeah. <laughs> hang out in the office and it's really social and friendly. But it feels like there's a barrier, it's, you know, like you can't come in. Yeah. It, there's no social. It's it's definitely challenging, I'll say. But like like Joanne said earlier, now we're learning how to navigate the pandemic and we're learning about how to be safe. And I, I think I think everybody was just really scared when the school year started. We, we never did this before. And then welcoming the kids back, you know, it's a little bit scary because we had some districts who are, you know, they're not even that far away from us and they weren't having any face-to-face interaction. And here we are saying, no, we can do this and we can do this safely. So certainly we felt like we had a, a huge responsibility to keep everybody safe, our, our students and our staff. Um, but slowly but surely, <laughs> we're, we're figuring out how to do it. And, you know, it's great that we have these opportunities. And I have to say that the parents have been, they really and truly have been so good. I have parents who reach out to me all the time. And, you know, just to say, hey, I realize this is challenging for all of you and you're doing a good job. And that really means a lot. It, it kind of keeps us going because there are times when it's been really ch- challenging. Um, and then when you get those kind of like out of boys, it just makes you feel like you can keep going. So I'm sure it's easy to criticize too, uh, you know, what's going on because people have fear. Sure. Right. You're, all of our anxieties are high. Yeah. So. Right. And there, there's nothing, it's going to be perfect and no one's going to like the situation that we have to do. Right. So I'm sure it'd be easy for people just to have like, um, kind of like an anger lashing out because they're not happy but there's really no great solution yeah. so everybody just have a little patience <laughs> it's a virtue so, it is a virtue um so i don't know if you have do you have a first impression of mount vernon and the community or is that too hard to know no it's it's really not though because like i said when i came here to check out the school when i first went into the um to the general store everybody was just so nice and i introduced myself Um, And I've kind of done that just around town in general. And then, you know, I certainly just because of where we are, we're in a pretty central location. So I've I've met a lot of people in Milford and, um, you know, just going to get like flowers for Charlotte for Mrs. Jameson's birthday and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Just if I I'm not shy, obviously. Mm -hmm. So just by virtue of um, introducing myself, people have been really they've been really, really welcoming and really nice. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're welcoming you. Because they should. They should. <laughs> All right, give us a COVID update. Do you have any, like, reopening, testing, budget, time change in the fall, anything you want to share? Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, so. so <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. This is the part where Miss Kim gets in trouble. No. Um, so we are so we are hoping to have final approval for the change in our start and end times next year. Um, so we're going to be starting a little bit earlier, and then school will be ending at two fifteen, 
And I will tell you that I know that there have been mixed reviews about that, but I'm actually really excited because that's going to give us give us an opportunity to be able to provide after school care, but also after after school activities and um, just enrichment opportunities for our students that we don't provide right now. I actually had the YMCA from Nashua visit our school today and um, we've we've been we've been looking we've been pursuing partnerships with various agencies and we're trying to figure out what's the most cost effective for our parents and what is the best you know which agency is able to provide the best opportunities for our students and then also um you know how can we make the logistics work so i i had the why here today um i have a site visit with new mornings later on in the week and um, we're talking to a couple of other community partners to see what we can do. But ultimately, we want to be able to provide really awesome enrichment opportunities like cooking classes and STEM opportunities. But we also want to be able to give kids opportunities to safely interact with one another and have a lot of physical activity. And so that's kind of like our main focus for next year. So that's really exciting. Um, in addition to that, in terms of in terms of how, what our mandates are going to be around masks and social distancing, I really don't know. Um, I was we all were under the impression when I came here back in July that by this time, you know, we have these like different statuses and every status, every color status will dictate kind of what our precautions are. Mm -hmm. And um, we all thought that we would have the lightest precautions by this time. Mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody thought that a year later. No, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just, it's just crazy. It's, yeah. um, and so, so I honestly can't predict that. I'm really hopeful that I feel comfortable about where we are in terms of our precautions. And I feel comfortable that at our school, we're really lucky because we have really small class sizes. We're a tiny little community. And so we're able to maintain as much normalcy as we possibly can. I don't know that that normalcy is everywhere um, just because people have larger classes and you have more restrictions. So I'm confident that we can continue kind of on that path. And I'm really hopeful that once most people are vaccinated, if they choose to be vaccinated, I'm hopeful that, um, again, you know, we'll, we'll have a little bit more normalcy. And um, so where we are right now is we're in a, a yellow status. Our kids uh, can sit three to six feet apart from each other. We, we still have students wearing masks outside at recess. I know that's not ideal. I, I think that that probably will be re-examined once the weather gets a little bit warmer. Um, but, you know, people just went away for vacations, and so we're just a little bit extra cautious right now, just making sure that we try to keep everybody safe. I, I don't even want to say it, but I'm going to knock on wood as I say it. We've been so lucky. We haven't had an active case in our school at all, not in our school. And so, therefore, we have had zero spread of any contagion. And I, I'm knocking as I say it, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that, you know, that we can finish out the school year that way mm -hmm. and next year as well. That's great. Um, how was your first budget season? Oh, gosh. Budget season is... <laughs> So it's funny because I'll give I'll give Mr. Schuttinger all the credit. He 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 developed the, the budget primarily for this year. Um, I did I did offer some input, but I didn't know the ins and outs of the budget like he did, obviously. And so I'm very thankful for that. Um, right now, as you know, we looked we looked forward to voting and things like that. Um, 
I'm really hopeful that that people will come together to support the school. I, I really hope that everybody does. Um, you know, I, I I feel like we really try to be conservative in our spending. And, and I can tell you that, you know, that's that's the honest to gosh truth. We, we look at every single dollar, dollar that we spend and we try to think about, you know, do we actually have to spend the money on this? Can we maybe kind of go without these different things? And we have had to do that a lot this year because we've had to allocate our money towards things that keep us safe. So, you know, small things like ordering extra books for our library and even books that um, that coincide with what we're with, like our theme of like multiculturalism and inclusivity for for our read across Mont Vernon week. Those those type of extra pieces we're not purchasing this year just because we want to be really conservative in our spending because we understand that we've had to spend a lot of money that we wouldn't have otherwise had to spend. And I ask you that and in appreciation because the tax burden in town is a hot topic, right? Sure. And they're always going crazy about the high taxes, but it's really the school that drives that. Yeah. All, the rest of us are like one piece of the pie, the school is the big piece. So mm -hmm. like if you go up incrementally every year, even 100,000, 200,000, like our entire budget for this building for a whole year is 100,000. Wow. So Mr. Schrodinger ticking it up by only 100,000 is our whole year budget. Sure. So like that's the thing, like it kind of gets out of whack a little bit when we're looking at the school budget versus the town budget. People are like quick to cut our littlest line, but then the school, you know, like we have to do it. So it, it's good to see a flat year or a year where you're very consciously spending or you're saving for the roof. Yeah. You know, that's important. and. Um, I don't think it's always showcased that way. Mm -hmm. It's just like everybody wants the school to be good. That's why people buy houses here. It's mm -hmm. important that the kids, you know, perform and the teachers perform. So there's a lot of pressure on you for that. Yeah. But also know that there's this whole other part of town, like the library projects and the town hall projects will never succeed if the school continues, you know, to rack that budget up. Like what's happening down in Amherst right now, that's separate of us. That, sure. that warrant article is going to be interesting to see where it goes but <laughs> yeah. of course everybody wants the best yeah but within reason right so that's why i ask you like where that kind of budgeting thought process is right now because you did have to spend like here's an example when the robot conversation came <laughs> up i was like the cleaning robot yeah. i like was yelling into the screen take uh -huh. it back take it back because i'm like everybody who heard that you know that's not a mount vernon thing yeah right and it was like you guys quickly pulled it back and took it out right. like that that just showed, like, okay, it might have floated in Amherst mm -hmm. at middle, the middle school or whatever school decided that's to trial it. But up here, it's just not, they're not going to allocate funds towards a trial of something that would be a nice to have. Sure. Like, they're going to hold you to that. And that's just kind of how tiny town is. Yeah. So, like, as a new person coming in, I'm not sure. Like, no, so actually. They whisper that to you. Don't ask for the robot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that was, definitely a, that was definitely a misstep on behalf of, you know, that just that was just a, a definitely a, a whole misstep um, and I certainly understand that and I appreciate that you know as somebody who lives in a small town and is paying high taxes I, I'm definitely uh, sensitive to that for sure but like teachers raises people are you know generally behind something like that sure. that can be explained like mm -hmm. all right we've got to sign these contracts and we know that is important yeah but there's there's nothing frivolous in that budget I can imagine well, so I what I'll say too is, and I think a really some something that's really advantageous for us is the fact that we have a new facilities director, Roger Preston, 
Roger is extremely. He's awesome. He's I, I awesome. Go to school board meetings and he's like, great. I haven't met him in person, but I'm like, how does he know all this? He does. He literally knows everything. Um, so you know, behind the scenes, when we have meetings going on, we're we're usually messaging each other, and it's usually like, Roger, you're so amazing because he is that amazing. We want to keep him forever. But I'll tell you that he's truly, um, he's truly fiscally conservative, and he, he's very aware of of you know what this means to taxpayers and he understands that we can't spend frivolously so i think that's that's a real asset for him because he's going to be really cautious in his spending and he's also going to make sure that when he when he gets a quote it's going to be for high quality work but also a quote that that makes sense and that presents like an engineer yeah, he really does. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's, that's a win for you. Yeah. Because he's very believable. Yeah. When he, he speaks, you're like, oh, we do need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. And I would say, too, the, um, also our new techno- technology director, Brian Miller. Um, Brian's the same way. You know, we want to make sure that we have the right resources in kids' hands. And we want, obviously, this is the technology age. We want our kids to be able to have access to the devices that they, that they need, and we want to be able to use technology to enhance our curriculum, but we want to do it in a way that makes sense and that is fiscally responsible. So I think all of us working together, um, I, I definitely think that we're all cognizant of that, and I certainly understand the taxpayers' concerns for sure, because I am a taxpayer. <laughs> right, here's my last question. Someone last night at the Selectman's meeting asked, how many people are still remote? Like, what's your percentage? Do mm-hmm. you see that fluctuating, or are we going to just finish with the numbers that we're at right now? Um, so I don't really see it fluctuating very much at all. Um, you know, I, I don't want to misspeak, so I'm, I'm giving you, like, a rough estimate. Sure. But the last that I, when I last looked, I believe we have 23 students who are K-4, to and then um, remote. who are remote, that's right. And that's split between two teachers. And then when it comes to students in grades five and six, um, that's one teacher and it's fewer than 15 kids. I want to say it's around 11, but I'll say fewer than 15. So the bulk of the population is coming in the building. Yeah. And you're really low on cases. And I think that's what they wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, I really don't know. Because we were checking in the beginning. Yeah. Because the modalities were changing mm-hmm. more often. So we don't, so I, I will say this. So in our schools, we have had no active cases in our schools. If there have many have been any cases, there are cases that have occurred like, over vacation and things like that. However, we have had students who have had to quarantine because they either were exposed, they were primary contact to like a family member who's positive or, you know, like a a member of their sports team or whatever. So we've had some quarantine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had a number of quarantines. Um, And so that that has caused students to fluctuate modalities a little bit. But we we definitely have rules in place to try to release the burden from our remote teachers and then try to keep things consistent with our students who have to quarantine. So our rule of thumb is um, for for all students, if students are gonna be quarantined 10 or more days, then they'll switch formally to a remote modality. But if not, then the, the classroom teachers wanna be able to provide you know, that instruction, make sure that um, things are pretty seamless and they're just kind of following along from home. So that might mean like Google Classroom, it might mean um, like, anal- like um, paper materials and things like that. Didn't we take going to school for granted? But you just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, you're probably looking forward to that in September, and that is my hope for you. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely looking forward to it.
But I have to say, I just want to say before we wrap up that our kids, and we have one here, and she is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, our kids are phenomenal. They really are. They they are just so kind, and they're just so loving, and they're just they're just happy to be there. You know, the kids that we see on that we see on screens who are remote. They're equally as happy. I, I think their teachers have really gone above and beyond to try to make the experience positive for them. Mm-hmm. And we're just really lucky. Yeah, you have a good team, I think. Oh, yeah. You do. The teachers that I know there are, are wonderful. Yeah. One more question before our speed round. And sure. It's about library school collaborations. Yes, we want to pick your brain. So we, we already have a good relationship with the school and have been sending Joanne over. Uh, for years, but what do you see as a potential collaboration with um, library or town? Yeah. So, so, so I'm not sure like things that we would qualify for, but I'd love to be able to co-author some grants together. I don't know if that's something that you'd well, be interested I in. I you because yes. I wrote that grant and right. I really needed to understand about the curriculum. Like, is there local history? Because I, I kind of remember. So I appreciate sure. you getting back, but. For sure, I would scoop you and a third grade teacher up to be on that team if we get that grant. Yeah. So yeah, there's benefit there that if you got money or we got money for literature-based grants, it could really benefit us both. Absolutely, I'd, I'd love to be able to do that. I mean, that's something that I'm very familiar with. I did that quite a bit in um, in Newfound. Uh, the library, the head librarian and I co-authored a ton of grants. I'd love oh, to be beautiful. able to do that. Yeah. I also would love to see, I would love for kids to be able to come here. I mean, we're certainly within walking distance, mm-hmm. right? I'd love for kids to be able to come here, and I'm sure that that's longstanding history. They normally do in um, May, early June, mm-hmm. and we talk about the summer reading program. The whole school comes over in little grade mm-hmm. bits, and they missed that, yeah, that so last year. Yeah, kind of like year. a bridge. We want to bridge them from school to here for the summer, and then, yeah. then we send them right back. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It's super uh-huh. high energy in the summer, and sure. we have a greater appreciation for all that you guys do. <laughs> but um, you'd be surprised the kids that come and they don't have a library card, and so like we want to remedy that. You right. Know? Like, now we have virtual library cards and sure. virtual materials. So mm-hmm. that's something we'll talk about with Patty. Um, you know, like how we can get together as we're finishing off this year, and you're bridging over here. Maybe at a time when yeah. COVID is really tapped down, right. and um, we're looking forward to summer. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to being able to come back to school. And I've missed, I've really missed not seeing the little kindergartners yeah. all year and getting our mural. We have the mural there, and we need to put all the little handprints. I know. For so all the kids, and, and and that's the feedback that we've heard from the teachers as well. Um, Mrs. Philibot, our K teacher, is has talked about you quite a bit, and I know that Miss Galligan, who's our new K teacher, she's excited to meet you and wants to be. You know, they're they're ready, willing, and able. They want to be part part of this. Um, I certainly think that you know not only is reading a civil right, but the ability to read gives kids entry points into all of our disciplines. And so it's absolutely critical that not only do we inspire a love of reading, but we expose kids to these rich learning experiences and these beautiful texts. Mm-hmm. So I would love to have kids. I would love to continue that partnership and even strengthen it if we can. Well, we will because, you know, we'll be getting, we might, we as a library just found out that we might be able to get our vaccinations um, just yeah. just past the teachers, so right. you know, hopefully, sure. Because I I cannot wait to get vaccinated <laughs> and right back in. Yeah. You're telling rumors. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maybe it's just, it's just a All right, speed round. Uh-huh. Right, you ready? All right, this is the fun part. There's no wrong answers. Okay. <laughs> the last book you read. 
I read um, Dead Wake by Eric Larson. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Are you a nonfiction uh, reader? I do love nonfiction. I actually was inspired by the Hinkley Boys. Um, oh, yes. That's name drop, but I know them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, my little friend, Dan Ke- uh, um Wow, Mike oh. Kelly. I knew a Dan Kelly. Mike oh. Kelly, who who's a, who was a remote learner. Um, we were reading some nonfiction text, and we talked a lot about the Lusitania and mm. talked about the Titanic, and then it led me to that book. Fascinating. That's a good one. Yeah. Good. Okay. Who was your favorite teacher and why? Oh, my favorite teacher. Um, he was my English teacher. His name is Jay Atkinson. And, um, oh, boy. Okay. Uh, so Jay Atkinson essentially taught me how to read when I was 18 years old. I was a struggling reader, um, and he was my teacher in a remedial English course. And he taught me how to be able to not only just read words, but to be able to comprehend what I was reading. And uh, Jay's somebody who I actually ended up dedicating my dissertation to. He came to um, uh, hear my speech. I, I delivered a commencement speech when I got my master's. And, um, and he was definitely the most influential teacher for me, for sure. I, um, I actually dropped out of school for a little bit, and Jay was there kind of cheering me on for a very long time, letting me know that he saw potential in me. So oh, he was your wow. hero. He um, was. I got chills. You, yeah, before you yeah. came, we said, you said it was, this was going to be one of the questions. And, like, I think we all thought of that person. Yeah. So, like, teachers He's are so important. Mm-hmm. And if teachers knew that, like, you might be the teacher that someone talks about in a speed round someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I she hope so. changed your life. Definitely. put you on a path towards success. He did. He changed my life. I, I worked at a gas station for seven years when I was trying to put myself back through school. And, um, you know, he would stop in every once in a while and just say, like, you got this. And seven years is a long time to to um, try to inspire somebody. So I definitely am appreciate, appreciative of him. Oh, that's good. A, that is a wonderful mm. story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I would like to know your secret talent. Yes. So my secret talent, I had to think about this. So <laughs> I, am, I am the least domesticated person on the planet my husband and kids will tell you one time i made muffins and i fed them to my dog and he vomited for days oh, it was so pretty good not cooking so which leads me to gardening um i'm actually really good at gardening and i love to garden um but i once i grow vegetables i don't really know what to do with them and so i give them to my husband and daughter and then they cook for us that is a good talent, and you know, I don't know if you know this, but you, you have um, garden beds behind oh, yeah. your school. I do know this. So, yes. as an administrator, do you visit the building in the summer often enough to maintain that garden? Yeah, so actually, um, yes, and we, I recently was approached by the Girl Scouts, and they have volunteered to basically... Um, take care of that area oh, yes he's done it for a couple of years and oh really that's wonderful <laughs> that's great i gave it back to your custodian last year I'm like tag your turn and, but it does bring a lot of joy it works yeah. right. an irrigation system and a grant provided for that space mm-hmm. yeah. so know that a lot of energy has gone into even yeah. though it looks rough like it can be good yeah you brought all yeah. the new dirt because it was horrible <laughs> oh, good. that's a good secret yeah it's know. exciting very good okay if you could change one thing about the public school education, what would it be? Oh, boy. Um, I would just say I'd, I'd 
Oof, gosh, wow. Okay. Um, so the the one thing I would say is equitable access for all kids. I I worked I've worked in very high poverty areas. I've worked with kids who are underserved for most of my career, and um, there are just so many challenges for teachers. And it's really hard to try to figure out like kind of where you concentrate your efforts. And unfortunately, sometimes that that means that we have. Um, we have practices that are not exactly equitable. We know which kids we know which kids we can reach. We we know which kids we're going to have a really hard time with, um, and then we also sometimes tend to forget our kids who are the highest achievers because we figure they're going to be fine whether we, you know, whether we give them our attention or not. And so um, those inequities definitely exist, and uh, they definitely need to be addressed. A free and public education, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's not always equal. It's, definitely it's not. Good answer. I'm curious what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, that's good. Okay, what's our last one? It's very difficult. Right? It's so hard. <laughs> Favorite Girl Scout cookie? Oh, Samoa's, obviously. <laughs> Is that even a question? <laughs> that's a good answer. Now we know what to drop off to you. But instead, <laughs> we have two parting gifts for you today. Oh, yeah, good gifts. Because everything. you were supposed to Thank you guys. I so appreciate thank it. Thank you. For you. No, thank mm. you so much. It's important that we know all the characters in town because when we write the book, we're going to work all that you said into the book. Then, um, <laughs> I, I love that. The <laughs> thank <laughs> you guys. The general store said he's writing a book about town. So oh, is he? Dan, you're mm-hmm. in the book. Um, <laughs> right. I'll That's great. Thinking of that. You might be a character. We're <laughs> so glad that you could come. Thank you nice so much. Time. I appreciate it. Finish strong. Get to that summer vacation. And, That's um, our plan. Kudos to your whole staff, everybody over there. It was a huge challenge, and um, hopefully it's over. And we Thank can start you. September and hit the reset button, right? Yep, and I have to say all the credit goes to the teachers, to our paraprofessionals, our, our custodial staff, our kitchen staff. They're the ones who are on the front lines doing all the work. So they, and, and certainly our students who are just working really hard every single day. So all the credit goes to them. I appreciate it though. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Welcome awesome. back. Thank you guys. All right, can you hear the bells? It's time I hear to the share. bells. Right. You gotta go home and I you gotta, gotta go there. I'm gonna do nails. I have a, a, a program. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right, everybody. Thanks. We'll see you next month. Bye bye.